morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For Spike, Chris, Kali, Kosher, Cohen, I am Matt Wright, and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. Say that again, Chris. Kali, Kosher. Chris Kalik. Right. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say something at the end of your. Right. I can hear you. I can hear you just fine. Right. I can hear you just fine. So it's got. It has to be on the fact that it's so because we were worried about how quiet it was. Nobody is can hear you. Okay, good. Let me try this. Yeah, yours like on mine where it's reading the levels, where you usually come in and you're hitting yellow on my meter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not even hitting. You're not even going halfway up the green. Yeah, the same. Right. The same. Is it? Abdul McKinney wants to know if there's a, a volume scroll on the headset itself. You just did something. Now I can't hear you at all. Nope. 
we didn't have time before the show to go through this, and we were like, ah, it's probably okay. Apparently, we needed to check that a little bit better. So uh, while Spike is doing this, just want to remind everybody that you can go to the store at muddiedwatersmedia.com and hit the button that says store. And there you can find all sorts of gear that says Spike all over it. You can also get uh, Muddied Waters Media shirts and uh, this fabulous Muddied Waters Media hoodie that is very comfortable. It's about the same. Hang on a second. How about now? That is better for me. Say something else. Hi, I'm Spike Cohen. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Say something else. Hi, I'm Spike Cohen. Okay, that sounds a lot better to me. Yep, got okay, it. Okay, everyone's saying yes, yes. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Doing it. All right. Yes! We did it. We did it together. Um, and now let's... Um, you know what? Probably the best way to do this, now that I'm doing this, probably the best way to do it is to use the audio from this debate for everyone to hear it. And then that way everyone behind me is reacting to the same audio we are. What do you guys think of that? Yeah. All right, we're doing that. So, hey folks, there's a debate happening right now, or actually will be happening in a couple minutes. And we were gonna talk about that for the past few minutes. My mic didn't work. Right. So let's talk about that now. 
So uh, basically, we're going to be talking about the exact same things that we talked about in the first debate. Um, I don't. And allow me to think. Oh, yeah, that thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, allow me to think. Siesta Cava for the Cava that I am drinking on today's episode. And allow me to thank the White Star Ale House for this water that I'm drinking on this episode, Bula Vinaka. Bula Vinaka. That is delicious tap water. That is delicious. Um, uh, this show is brought to you, as always, by the Jorgensen Cohen 2020 campaign, the uh, Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing waffle related caucus in the Libertarian Party. I don't know. Uh, Black. Or any, or, or any other party uh, in, in America. Yes. Uh, black coffee, black organic coffee. That is spelled B L V C K organic coffee. It is the best cold brew coffee that is misspelled on, any, earth. on earth. Um, and you can get that at black brews, B L V C K black brews.com. Use code MW for free checking at ship out free shipping at checkout. Um, uh, the, <laughs> Libertarian Party dad bod calendar featuring the sexiest men in the Libertarian Party, including Mr. April here, to remind you that taxes are awful. And as always, this episode is brought to you by personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. Well, folks, we have, we saw the first clown show, uh, and they've added a mute button this time. So in theory, this should be slightly better because they know that they'll be muted. Yes. But my theory is that they'll actually just scream so loud that the other guy's mic will pick it up, uh, thereby making this into an even bigger clown show than the first one. Yes. Uh, but we shall see how that, how that turns out. Yeah, and like I was saying earlier, the uh, debates aren't going to be the the topics of this debate aren't going to be any different from the ones beforehand i think i should have written all of this stuff down and i really meant to but then my phone died um but only one of the topics is different from the first debate which the trump administration had an issue with and they wanted to focus more on things like uh foreign policy as opposed to covid and race in america and american families and right. things of that nature yeah, uh, exactly. so essentially this is going to be the exact same debate that we've already seen just possibly with more uh possibly with less screaming at each other but that means less opportunity for joe biden to say will you just shut up man which was my favorite part of the first that debate. That was my favorite part um, of the first debate. What's interesting to me is that, again, my theory is that they're going to yell over each other. I think that it's actually going to be worse. Um, and that's kind of my hope, like low-key, uh, that it is my hope. Because A, that's the most entertaining. And B, anything that results in people walking away from this, realizing that they couldn't potentially vote for either of the clowns that are running, uh, that are on that debate stage, uh, helps our campaign uh, by, by default. So... I am looking for Joe Jorgensen and myself to finish our, our sweep of these debates. So one thing, 
if we all remember back in 2016, Trump brought like all of the women that have accused Bill Clinton of uh, sexual assault to the debate. This time he is bringing Hunter Biden's associate, Tony Bubulinski, who is one of the uh, who is one of the partners in an old business with Hunter Biden. So I think he's trying to get under Joe's skin with the whole laptop from hell, as Trump calls it. Um, and bring somebody who has some sort of uh, has some sort of knowledge of any of the dealings Hunter had. I am. I think that Donald Trump is thoroughly overestimating uh, Joe Biden's ability to remember who people are, uh, <laughs> in, including in, including himself. Right. And I think that uh, I think that might backfire because he's going to say, "Yeah, there's Tony Bubalinski over there." And Joe Biden's going to say, that's fantastic. My name is John Newsom, and I'm running for Senate. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure how well that'll work out, but we'll find out. It's a bold strategy. Yeah, it's a bold, bold strategy, Cotton. Bold strategy there. Oh, so uh, so it looks like it's starting. Yes. We are just getting started there. Good evening from Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm Kristen Welker of NBC News, and I welcome you to the final 2020 presidential debate between President Donald J. Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden. Tonight's debate is sponsored by the Commission on Presidential Debates. It is conducted under health and safety protocols designed by the Commission's health security advisor. The audience here in the hall has promised to remain silent. No cheers, boos, or other interruptions, except right now, as we welcome to the stage former Vice President Joe Biden and President Donald J. Trump. I'm already seeing him up here uh, on the TV screen, and uh, Donald Trump is the orangest he has ever been. Um, oh, he is really orange. He is extremely, almost like a burnt orange. And yes, I mean, that really, I mean that's, that's really neither here nor there. I'm just. And I do. I guess say you're going to do it. Lean into it. Just be so orange. You. This debate will cover six major topics. At the beginning of each section, each candidate will have two minutes uninterrupted to answer my first question. The debate commission will then turn on their microphone only when it is their turn to answer, and the commission <laughs> will turn it off exactly when the two minutes have expired. After that, both microphones will remain on. But on behalf of the voters, I'm going to ask you to please speak one at a time. The goal is for you to hear each other and for the American people to hear every word of what you These are grown men say. that they're having to so say that, don't yell over ready? each other. Let's start. And we will begin with the fight against the coronavirus. President Trump, the first question is for you. The country is heading into a dangerous new phase. More than 40,000 Americans are in the hospital tonight with COVID, including record numbers here in Tennessee. And since the two of you last shared a stage, 16,000 Americans have died from COVID. So please be specific. How would you lead the country during this next stage of the coronavirus crisis? Two minutes uninterrupted. So as you know, 2.2 million people modeled out were expected to die. We closed up the greatest economy in the world. This is odd because he said that it was going to uh, go away like magic. It's a worldwide pandemic. It's all over the world. You see the spikes in Europe and many other places right now. 
if you notice, the mortality rate is down 85 uh, percent. The excess mortality rate is way down and much lower than almost any other country. And we're fighting it, and we're fighting it hard. The there is a spike. There was a spike in Florida, and it's now gone. There was a very big spike in Texas. It's now gone. There was a very big spike in Arizona. It's now gone. And there are some spikes and surges. I know. My name has already been said like five times. We have a vaccine that's coming. It's ready. The best advertising you can get. We're having spikes. There was a spike in Florida, and I am now gone. Operation Warp Speed, which the military is going to distribute the vaccine. I can tell you from personal experience that uh, I was in the hospital. I had it. And I got better. And I will tell you that uh, I had something that they gave me. A therapeutic, I guess they would call it. Some people could say it was a cure. But uh, I was in for a short period of time, and I got better very fast, or I wouldn't be here tonight. And now they say I'm immune. Whether it's four months or a lifetime, nobody's been able to say that. But He got better way, faster uh, because there are three are treatments he received better. that the we FDA have, does not allow problem. you and me to be able to get if we get COVID-19. So it's very interesting that a man in his 70s who has health problems got better within a week and, according to them, is not spreading it anymore and has no virus levels at all. That's a direct result of him being able to have access to right to try treatments that the rest of us are able to try. It's a perfect example of how the FDA fails us and costs human lives every single day. And as I say, we're rounding the turn, we're rounding the corner. It's going away. How would you lead the country out of this crisis? You have two minutes uninterrupted. 220,000 Americans dead. You hear nothing else I say tonight. Hear this. Anyone who's responsible for not taking control, in fact, not saying I'm, I take no responsibility initially, anyone who's responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States. Of That's correct. I mean, That's why you and the Republicans and the CDC and FDA, who set it out so that uh, medical professionals couldn't test COVID patients for the first two months that the virus were here, should never be allowed anywhere near office ever again. That is 100% correct. As the New England Medical Journal said, they're starting from a very low rate. We're starting from a very high rate. The expectation is we'll have another 200,000 Americans dead between now and the end of the year. If we just wore these masks, the president's own advisors have told him, we could save 100,000 lives. And we're in a circumstance where the president thus far and still has no plan, no comprehensive plan. What I would do is make sure we have everyone encouraged to wear a mask all the time. Everyone's already sure encouraged to wear a mask. Everybody is rapid testing, investing in rapid testing. I would make sure that we set up national standards as to how to open up schools and open up businesses so they can be safe. That's the opposite of what we need. Each school in rural South Dakota or here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, she needs a completely different standard than one in New York City or New Orleans or Los Angeles or somewhere else. It should be the individual communities deciding what is best in terms of opening up schools and everything else for that matter. There's absolutely no reason we need a national plan. It's a national plan that got us in the mess that we're in right now. Have a plan. President Trump, I'd like to follow up with you and your comments. You talked about taking a therapeutic. I assume you're referencing Regeneron. You also said a vaccine will be coming within weeks. Yes. Is that a guarantee? Is, no, it's not is, a guarantee, but it will be by the end of the year. But I think it has a good chance. There are two companies, I think, within a matter of weeks. 
and it will be distributed very quickly. Wasn't it supposed to be before? For a, a, a vaccine for uh, SARS. We're still waiting for a vaccine for Ebola. We're still waiting for a vaccine for HIV. There is zero guarantee that there will ever be a vaccine. Right. And wasn't he saying that there was going to be a vaccine before we got to uh, the election day? Yes. Officials say it could take well into 2021 at the earliest for enough Americans to get vaccinated. And even then, they say the country will be wearing masks and distancing into 2022. Is your timeline realistic? No, I think my timeline is going to be more accurate. I don't know that they're counting on the military the way I do, but we have our generals lined Mil- up. One military? That's the head of logistics. And this is a very easy distribution for him. He's ready to go as soon as we have the vaccine. And we expect to have 100 million vials. As soon as we have the vaccine, he's ready to go. Vice President Biden, your reaction and just... Because remember in, uh, in the last debate, he was talking about having the military uh, disperse vaccines. And we were saying that Joe Biden was going anti-vax while Trump is saying that the military is going to be the one that's going to be dispersing the vaccines. So oh, that's right. That was when uh, Joe anti-vax Biden very briefly was telling people that they shouldn't get a vaccine if Donald Trump wants them to. While Donald Trump was talking about using the military to make sure everyone took the vaccine, which was a very that was interesting. Right. That was actually was one of the no few times that they didn't just yell at each other. And it was honestly possibly the most horrifying. Right. President Trump, your reaction, he says you have no plan to have a dark winter and at all. We're opening up our country. We've learned and studied and understand the disease, which we didn't at the beginning. When I closed and banned China from coming in heavily infected and then ultimately Europe, but China was in January. Months later, he was saying I was xenophobic. I did it. Okay, so that we have to mute this. This is the same nonsense we hear every single time. Once the virus is here, it doesn't matter who comes or goes. Once it's here, it spreads exponentially. The whole point of allowing testing as soon as it got here was that this could have potentially been contained without closing anything, without closing trade, without closing travel, without closing businesses. You could simply win someone either had symptoms or just wanted to be tested because they were around someone who may have had symptoms. They could have easily and quickly been able to test people if they had just let them do it. Test kits were already being made in this country. Starting in January, we had millions of approved COVID-19 test kits that were proven to work and they were all being sold overseas because it was illegal for them to sell them here and it was illegal for anyone to use them. So all of this nonsense, and you will notice neither one of them will mention this. Neither one will mention that their shared CDC and FDA did this to us. They can't mention it because it would they would have to acknowledge that both of them and their parties and their policies and their agencies are why hundreds of thousands of Americans are going to die. And they will talk about anything else. Joe Biden will talk about how Donald Trump had a cavalier attitude about it. Donald Trump will talk about how he tried to close the border with China. They'll talk about anything other than the actual cause of why it's happening so bad here in the first place. And that's that they didn't let medical professionals do their damn job and save people's lives. Again, I go back to this. He had nothing. He did virtually nothing. And then he gets out of the hospital and he talks about where this is. Oh, don't worry. It's all going to be over soon. Come on. 
There's not another serious on, scientist man. in the world who thinks it's going to be over soon. President Trump, your reaction? I say over soon. I say we're learning to live with it. We have no choice. We can't lock ourselves up in a basement like... Do I do that? I know I do a lot of stuff with my hands. Do I do that? the ability to lock himself up? I don't know. He's obviously made a lot of money someplace. I do this. Did you catch his, the hit that he's given? Did you catch the hit that he's given him for uh, locking himself in the basement and not leaving all summer long? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, he was also is, in his bunker, I can't but yes. Do that. And Kirsten, every t- every meeting I had, every meeting I had, and I'd meet a lot of families, including Gold Star families and military families. Every meeting I had, and I had to meet them. I had to. It would be horrible to have canceled everything. I said, you know, this is dangerous. And you catch it. And, you know, I caught it. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Great doctors, great hospitals. And now I recovered. 99.9 of young people recover. 99% of people recover. We have to recover. We can't close up our nation. We have to open our school. And we can't close up our nation. Or you're not going to have a nation. And, of course, the CDC has said young people can What you also need to do is allow people to be able to sue bad actors if they are knowingly causing super spread incidents. Instead, both Republicans and Democrats passed the CARES Act, which indemnifies businesses who may engage in bad action. So you're mandating. Uh, but they're both orange right now. What the hell is going on? Why are they both orange? <laughs> They're like getting increasingly red, at least on this TV they are. But Joe's trying to look presidential. That's what, yeah, I guess yeah, it's a presidential shine. Uh, the or the glow. The the one thing you could do is allow them to be held liable, and instead they're doing the opposite. They're they're protecting businesses from. Uh, they're indemnifying them against lawsuits. That would be one of the most powerful ways to stop the spread. Is let them know that if they engage in. Uh, it, 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 allowing things to happen in their in their businesses and and, and um, premises that allow for the spread, that individuals could sue them if if it ends up they become a source of a of a of an outbreak or a super spread incident that would cause businesses to in any other case any time that a business or an individual is able to be held responsible uh, for their bad actions or their negligence or malfeasance. They don't do it because they're responsible for their actions. Why are we not holding uh, people responsible for their actions and instead trying to mandate things and threaten to throw people in jail where they're almost certain to catch COVID-19 if they don't listen to government? President Trump. Look, perhaps just to finish this, I was kidding on that, but just to finish this, when I closed, he said I shouldn't have closed. And that went on for months. What Nancy Pelosi said the same thing. She was dancing on the streets in Chinatown in San Francisco. But when I closed, he said, this is a terrible thing. You're xenophobic. I think he called me racist even. And because I was closing it to China. Now he says I should have closed it earlier. It just, Joe, it doesn't work. I didn't say either of those things. You certainly did. You certainly did. did. I talked about a xenophobia in a different context. It wasn't about closing the border to Chinese coming to the United States. All right, I want to talk about both of your different strategies to handle. He thought I shouldn't have closed the border. Well, let's... That's obvious. Is that... Do you want to respond to that quickly, Vice President Biden? Okay. Let's talk about your different strategies toward dealing with this. Mr. Vice President, you suggested you would support new shutdowns if scientists recommended it. What do you say to Americans who are fearful that the cost of shutdowns, the impact on the economy, the higher rates of hunger, depression, domestic and substance abuse outweighs the risk of exposure to the virus? What I would say is I'm going to shut down the virus, not the country. 
It's his ineptitude that caused the, virus, caused the country to have to shut down in large part. Why businesses have gone under, why schools are closed, why so many people have lost their living, and why they're concerned. Those other concerns are real. That's why he should have been, instead of in a sand trap in his golf course, he should have been negotiating with Nancy Pelosi and the rest no, of the No, no, no. You're no, the no, one no, no, no. also the one pushing for these lockdowns. You don't get to walk away and say, well, it was his fault. It was and, both of your faults, but that's not that's beside the point now. And a lot of the lockdowns had nothing to do with Trump. They were all being done by people in the states. They were being done by governors. They weren't being done by Trump. Yeah, yeah. They were being done by state and by governors. And it was because at the federal level with Trump and Democrats, yes. their agency that they've created and that he was enforcing was not allowing healthcare workers to do their job. They're still not allowing healthcare workers to do their job. I have spoken to people that have come out to my events who are unable to get cancer screenings that they need because their hospitals have been told that they can only treat COVID patients. Now, they say it's because uh, you know, there's a lot of COVID patients, but at a lot of hospitals, there aren't. And also, untreated cancer has a markedly higher rate of fatality than COVID-19 does. This is doing far more harm than simply allowing people to make the best choices for themselves, letting hospitals make the choices, letting the, uh, the, uh, 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 the suppliers that are supplying them with the things that they need to make choices, people to be able to work together voluntarily instead of having this top-down, centrally planned way of doing things, which is costing people's lives, not just with this, but with everything else. Down, and we have to open our schools. And it's like, as an example, I have a young son. He also tested positive. By the time I spoke to the doctor the second time, he was fine. It just went away. Young people, I guess it's their immune system. Let me follow up with you, President Trump. You've demanded schools open in person and insist they can do it safely. But just yesterday, Boston became the latest city to move its public school system entirely online after a coronavirus spike. What is your message to parents who worry that sending their children to school will endanger not only their kids, but also their teachers and okay. families? I want to open the schools. Uh, the transmittal rate to the teachers is uh, very small. But I want to open the schools. We have to open our country. We're not going to have a country. You can't do this. We can't keep this country Until closed. This a force schools to reopen. We won't have a country. Is that what he just said? That's what he. In many more words, yes. What does he think the country is? <laughs> well, yeah, people working so kids go to school. Oh. You know, I've said it often. The cure cannot be worse than the problem itself, Vice and that's Vice. what's happening. And he wants to close down. He'll close down the country if one person in our in our massive bureaucracy says we should close it down. Vice President Biden. He just admitted that he presides over a massive bureaucracy. Did anyone catch that? That's perfect. They ought to be able to safely open, but would they need resources to open? You need to be able to, for example, if you're going to open a business, have social distancing within the business. You need to have, if you have a restaurant, you need to have plexiglass dividers so people cannot infect one another you need to be in a position where you can take testing See, and now what he's not understanding is so many restaurants can't afford this the the margins on restaurants is razor thin yep. razor thin and now you're expecting them to do all of this new all of these new uh securities uh yep. like plexiglass dividers when it used to be you just have them you know, you don't put them in booths right next to each other or tables near each other and try to keep them all six feet apart. And now you're trying to add more stuff, creating more for the business owner to have to pay for on top of trying to make sure they're still employing people. 
Well, and you know what? Then the best way to do that, if you want to say, okay, you're going to have to run up this much cost in protective stuff, then cut that much cost from their business licenses. Cut that much stuff from from their health co- uh, health code licensing and everything else, so that they can actually afford to do business. That would be great. Then they're not they're they're already losing money hand over fist anyway. Just cut the taxes, get rid of the taxes and the licensing fees and everything else, and they'll be able to afford to do that and much more. But you can't simultaneously uh, tell a, a, a sector of the economy that has, you know, two and three and four percent margins that they need to completely retrofit their uh, their restaurants and simultaneously, uh, you know, keep their capacity at half or two thirds or whatever. Uh, they won't be able to you won't have any restaurants. They're all shut down. Like Trump said, you won't even have a country. They're all Americans. And what we have to do is say, wear these masks, number one, make sure we get the help that the businesses need that has money's already been passed to do that. It's been out there since the beginning of the summer and nothing's happened. President, New York has lost more than 40,000 people, 11,000 people in nursing homes. President Trump, what when about- When you say spike, take a look at what's happening in Pennsylvania where they've had it closed. Take a look at what's happening with your friend in Michigan, where her husband's the only one allowed to do anything. It's been like a prison. Now it was just ruled unconstitutional. Take a look at North Carolina. They're having spikes, and they've been closed, and they're getting killed financially. We can't let that happen, Joe. You can't let that happen. We have to open up, and we understand the disease. We have to protect our seniors. We have to protect our elderly. We have to protect especially our seniors with heart problems and diabetes problems, and we will protect them. We have the best testing in the world by far. That's why we have so many cases. Let me follow up with you before we move on to our next section. Only only like three or four of the types of test kits that are being made, including the ones, there are close to a, a well over, there are actually over a dozen types of test kits being made in this country, and only a handful of them have been approved yet, uh, even though they've been proven to work. Uh, mostly because those test results don't report automatically to the government. And so they're only approving test result, uh, test kits that report to the government because as government thinks, if they can't find something out about you, you shouldn't be allowed to know either. And they're, they're using it with this as well. There are people's lives who are being lost because the government would rather know that you have it than you be able to, then if they can't know that you have it, then they'd rather you die from it. Right. Nobody knew where it was coming from, what it was. We've learned a lot. But Anthony said, don't wear masks. Now he wants to wear masks. Anthony also said, if you look back, exact words, here's his exact words. This is no problem. This is going to go away soon. So he's allowed to make mistakes. He happens he to be a good person. He never said it was going to go away. Vice President Biden, your response quickly, and then we're going to move on to the next section. My response is that think about what the president knew in January and didn't tell the American people. He was told this was a serious virus that spread in the air, and it was much worse than, much worse than the flu. He went on record and said to one of your colleagues who courted that, in fact, he knew how dangerous it was, but he didn't want to tell us. He didn't want to tell us because he didn't want us to panic. He didn't want us. Americans don't panic. He panicked. But guess what? In the meantime, we find out in the New York Times the other day that, in fact, his folks went to Wall Street and said this is a really dangerous he just said that Americans don't panic, but back in 2001, after the September 11th attack, everybody jumped, like not anybody watching the show, obviously, but everybody jumped and supported the Patriot Act. They I said, was one of them. Right. I was one of the Americans that panicked because of the, what the media frenzy fed me. Exactly. Trump was right that it's bad to shut down the economy, although it's his own party that's 
taking part in that as well. Uh, Joe Biden was right that Trump uh, tried to tried to downplay it for political purposes. What neither one of them will admit is that none of that matters if you go down to the to the root cause of why we're facing this to begin with. The government didn't let healthcare workers do their damn jobs, test people and save lives. That alone is the only thing that should even be talked about. And yet it's the one thing they refuse to talk about because there's no way they can spin that as being just the other one's fault. They have to admit that the entire Republican system is a failure. And of course, that's why Joe Jorgensen isn't on that debate stage, why they didn't allow her, because she'd be able to sit there and watch them both blame each other. And then she could say, yeah, no, you're both right. You're both at fault. It was because of this. It was because of the lack of testing that you didn't allow. And here is how common sense libertarian solutions will fix that. And here, let's a lot of people in the comments brought up a really good point. They say Americans don't panic. Remember when you couldn't buy toilet paper? Yeah, that's because Americans panicked. I made it clear, and I ask everyone else to take the pledge. I made it clear that any country, no matter who it is, that interferes in American elections will pay a price. They will pay a price. And it's been overwhelmingly clear this election. I won't Three and a half million dollars price, to his son. This election, that Russia has been involved, that's, that's China the, has been involved price. to some degree, and now we learn that, that, uh, that uh, Iran is involved. They will pay a price if I'm elected. They're interfering with American sovereignty. That's what's going on right now. They're interfering with American the sovereignty. Pure irony. The best of my knowledge, yes, I don't think for president talking about interference in foreign elections is palpable. I hope that you can feel the irony at home. The U.S. government has straight up bombed, invaded, destabilized, and uh, decimated entire regions of the planet based on who the uh, military-industrial complex and central bankers want to be in charge. And it is just, you know, if if I were the head of a foreign state uh, and there were a country, I yeah, know it's delicious. The, 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 the irony. If I were the head of a foreign state uh, and uh, I there were another country that and, and the U.S. government was threatening to bomb my country, I'd probably want to be somewhat involved in their elections, too, because their election outcome could very well be the difference of whether or not millions of my people die as a result of it. So, yeah. Probably the best way to stop foreign interference uh, in our elections, if there even is such a thing in any mass way, is to stop U.S. interference in whether or not people in other countries are alive or not. Right. Engaged in activities that are trying to destabilize all of NATO. I don't know why he doesn't do it, but it's worth asking the question, why isn't that being done? Any country that interferes with us will, in fact, pay a price because they're affecting our sovereignty. President Trump. Same question to you. To let, me, let me ask the yeah. question. You're going to have two minutes yeah. to respond. For two elections in a row now, there has been substantial interference from foreign adversaries. What would you do in your next term to put an end to this? Two minutes uninterrupted. Well, let me respond to the first part, as Joe answered. Joe got $3.5 million from Russia, and it came through Putin because he was very friendly with the former mayor of Moscow, and it was the mayor of Moscow's wife. And you got $3.5 million. Your family got $3.5 million. And you know, someday you're going to have to explain why did you get three and a half. I never got any money from Russia. I don't get money from Russia. Now, about your thing last night, I knew all about that. And through John, who is John Retliff, who is fantastic, DNI, he said the one thing that's common to both of them, they both want you to lose because there has been nobody tougher to Russia with, between the sanctions, nobody tougher than me on Russia. Between the sanctions, 
between all of what I've done with NATO. You know, I've got the NATO countries to put up an extra $130 billion going to $420 mind, billion a what year. What you're watching here is both arguing over which one is a greater supporter of the military-industrial complex, right. which one will institute more sanctions that harm you as a consumer and make uh, make it easier for us to end up at war with other countries while harming the livelihood of the people in those countries as well. Uh, both of them are talking about NATO and how great it is. Neither one of them will admit that this entire system of U.S. imperial interventionism is the cause of the problems that we're facing with foreign policy and that it needs to end. So if you were wondering which one, you know, we, 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 Trump for a very long time said that he was going to end the wars and change the way things are happening in foreign policy. This spectacle right here is a perfect example of how you can rest assured that that's never going to happen from either of these parties. They always talk about ending the wars until it's actually time to end the wars. Explanation to the American people. Why is it somebody just had a news conference a little while ago who was essentially supposed to work with you and your family, but what he said was damning. And regardless of me, I think you have to clean it up and talk to the American people. Maybe you can do it right now. Vice President Biden, you may respond. And then I do I, want to follow up on the election security. I have not taken a penny from any foreign source ever in my life. We learned that doesn't mean that your family paid <laughs> 50 times that, that tax mean in spending. China as a secret bank account with China, does business in China, and in fact is talking about me taking money. I have not taken a single penny from any country whatsoever, ever. Number one. Number two. This is a president. I have released all of my tax returns. 22 years. Go look at them. 22 years of my tax return. You have not released a single solitary year of your tax return. What are you hiding? Why are you unwilling? The foreign countries are paying you a lot. Russia's paying you a lot. China's paying you a lot. And your hotels and all your businesses all around the country, all around the world. And China's building a new road to a new ga a, a, a golf course you have overseas. So. What's going on here? Why don't release your tax return or stop? Calling I like that they're both exposing the fact that both of them are getting contributions and, and bribery from foreign countries. From foreign countries. And their only response is, yeah, well, you are too. It's, it, it's whataboutism in the worst possible way. It is. Again, this would be where Joe Jorgensen could say, I'd just like to note that I've never received a single penny from, from you know, any, any crony interests overseas. And I'll, I'll let you guys get back to it's exposing each other number of years tens of millions of dollars i prepaid because at some point they think it's an estimate they think i may have to pay tax so i already prepaid it nobody told me that Did your account nobody tell told you, you that excuse me and it wasn't written whenever they write this they keep talking about 750 dollars which i think is a filing fee but let me just tell you i prepaid millions and millions of dollars in taxes Number one. Number two, I don't make money from China. By the way, one of the you few do. things that I, I actually like about Ukraine. Donald Trump is the lack of taxes that he has paid. I just want to be clear about that. Yeah. That's like, if you want to make me dislike someone, don't tell me that they avoided being taxed, because if anything, that just endears them slightly to me. And you're the big man, I think. I don't know. Of course, he then used them in a domain to steal from man, people. But I'm saying just you the tax part alone, we should all man. be paying Joe, next to nothing in tax. It's terrible. Not, no. All right, gentlemen, I want to ask you both some questions about all of this. But that. I'm going to let you both respond very quickly. You just said you spoke to your accountant yes. about potentially releasing your taxes. Did he tell you when you can release them? Do you as have a the deadline for when you're going to release them I get treated worse than the Tea Party got treated. 
Because I have a lot of people in there. Deep down in the IRS, they treat me horribly. We made a deal. It was all your IRS. It's literally your IRS. You are the head of state of this country. You control every single executive uh, office, every single regulatory agency, everything in the executive branch of government you own. You are not a victim of your own organization. You can fire anyone in there at your pleasure. Entanglements and questions that have been raised to give you both a chance Some to talk about this more this. broadly. Respond very quickly and then I'll get to my question. Why did he, he's been saying this for four years? Show us. Just show us. Stop playing around. You've been saying for four Everybody years you're going to reduce your taxes. Nobody knows, Mr. President. What they do know is you're not paying your taxes or you're paying taxes that are so low. When last time he said what he paid, he said, I only pay that little because I'm smart. I know how to game the system. Come on. Come on, folks. So, President Trump, and then I want to get everyone to should not be paying taxes. Let's right. be clear about that. The best way to settle this debate is to scuttle the IRS and to end taxation, and then no one has to argue over who's paying what because none of us are being robbed by any amount by the government. And that's the best way to deal with that. And when he did talk in 2016 in the debates with Hillary Clinton, when they did talk about taxes, she said he hasn't paid taxes in a decade or something like that. And he goes, Yeah, that's because I'm smart. He has admitted to this. Like, you don't yes. really need to see him because you already know what's going to be on it. And again, like Spike said, if somebody gets out of paying taxes, I'm not mad at them. It does sort of endear me to them. I don't and like now, And now you have, again, both candidates for the Republican Party who are extolling the virtues of paying lots and lots and lots of taxes. Yep. Again, if Joe Jorgensen was between them, she'd say, well, uh, let's make, you know, I'd like to point out that no one should ever pay any tax ever and that we should uh, eliminate all taxation. Done has done in China and for a Ukrainian energy company when you were vice president. In retrospect, was anything about those relationships inappropriate or unethical? Nothing was unethical. Here's what the deal. With regard to Ukraine, we had this whole question about whether or not, because he was on the board, I later learned of a Burisma a company, that somehow I had done something wrong. Yet every single solitary person when he was going through his impeachment, testifying under oath who worked for him, said, I did my job impeccably. I carried out U.S. policy. Not one single solitary thing was out of line. Not a single thing, number one. Number two, the guy who got in trouble in Ukraine was this guy trying to bribe the Ukrainian government to say something negative about me which they would not do and did not do because it never, ever, ever happened. So Joe literally was on camera uh, saying how he bribed. I guess not really. I don't think it bribed is the right answer, but he said he was going to withhold $1 billion in aid uh, if they didn't fire the, the, pros the state prosecutor. Your camera is glitching really bad. Oh, good. Um, oh, no. But uh, he was on camera and he said, yeah, I told him they had to fire him before I left uh, at 9 p.m. or they weren't going to get a billion dollars. And they said, but before Joe left, they fired the prosecutor and he was able to get in. He gave him the billion dollars. Can we use that? I'm going to let the vice president That's respond to that quickly, and then I need to get to a question to you. Very no basis for that. Everybody investigated that. No one said anything he did was wrong in Ukraine. 
Okay, President Trump, this is for you. Since you took office, you've never divested from your business. You've personally promoted your properties abroad. A report this week, which was referenced, does indicate that your company has a bank account in China. So how can voters know that you don't have any foreign conflicts of interest? I have many bank accounts, and they're all listed, and they're all over the place. I mean, I was a businessman doing business. The bank account you're referring to, which is everybody knows about it, it's listed. The bank account was in 2013. That's what it was. It was opened and do it was closed in 2015, I believe. And then I decided because I was going to do I was thinking about doing a deal in China like millions of other people. I was thinking about it and I decided I'm not going to do it. Didn't like it. I decided not to do it. Had an account open and I closed it. Okay. Excuse me. And then unlike him where he's vice president and he does business I then decided to run for president after that. That was before. So I closed it before I even ran for president, let alone became president. Big difference. He is the vice president of the United States, and his son, his brother, and his other brother are getting rich. They're like a vacuum cleaner. They're sucking okay, up money president every Trump, place thank you. Goes. We do Not need to true. move on. I do want to ask you, uh, Vice President Biden, about China. Let's talk about China more broadly. There have, of course, President Trump has said that they should pay for not being fully transparent in regards to the coronavirus. If you were president, would you make China pay? And please be specific. What would that look like? What I'd make China do is play by the international rules, not like he has done. He has caused the deficit of China to go up, not down, with China, up, not down. We are making sure that in order to do business in China, you have to give all your intellectual property, you have to get a, have a partner in China, it's 51%. We would not do that at all, number one. Number two, we're in a situation where China would have to play by the rules internationally as well. When I met with Xi, that, and uh, when I was still vice president, he said, we're setting up air identification zones in the, in the South China Sea. You can't fly through them. I said, we're going to fly through them. We just flew B-52, B-1 bombers through it. We're not going to pay attention. They have to play by the rules. And what's he do? He embraces guys like the thugs like in North Korea and, and, uh, and the Chinese president and Putin and others, and he pokes his finger in the eye of all of our friends, all of our allies. We make up only, we're 25 percent, 25 percent of the world's economy. We need to be having the rest of our friends with us saying to China, these are the rules. You play by them or you're going to pay the price for not paying by them economically. That's the way Neither one of these people, by the way, are going to mention the fact that the reason that China is in the position they are is because of crony regulations here that have made it unaffordable to do business in America, make things in America and hire Americans. Again, instead of going back and forth on, you know, on who's the, the bigger jerk on the stage, if they actually talked about the root cause of the problem, two things would happen. Number one, we could actually talk about changes that could be done tomorrow to begin the process of, of solving the problems they're talking about. And number two, they'd have to admit that they created the problem to begin with and that it requires changing and going back on what they've done instead of doubling down and making it even worse. I just gave $28 billion. New sanctions? I just gave $28 billion to our farmers. Taxpayers' China, money. Taxpayer money. It's what? Taxpayers' money. Didn't no, come no, from yeah, China. You know the taxpayers. It's called China. China paid $28 billion yeah. and you know, Wait, no, that's... Joe, God, I hate saying this sentence. Joe Biden's right. Um, but the money that was given to... Money that was given to the farmers was from tariffs that we end up paying. 
we as uh, consumers end up paying on Chinese goods that are coming in, coming in. We that was not paid by China. We are paying these subsidies. Bringing up all this malarkey, there's a reason for it. He doesn't want to talk about the the, the substantive issues. It's not about his family and my family. It's about your family, and your family's hurting badly. If you're making less than, if you're a middle class family, you're getting hurt badly right now. You're sitting at the kitchen table this morning deciding, well, we can't get new tires, they're bald because we have to wait another month or so. Or are we going to be able to pay the mortgage? Or who's going to tell her she can't go back to, to community college? They're the decisions you're making. He's giving my stump like speech right now, except he's not actually talking about why this has happened. He's trying to blame it on Donald Trump as though people weren't struggling before Donald Trump came into office. Donald Trump is just the newest and most recent and most brutal enforcers of bad Republican policies, policies that Republicans and Democrats like Joe Biden in his 50 years in D.C. have been signing off on and have made American lives harder. That's why we're in the mess that we're in right now. He's absolutely right. If you're anything... If you're at middle class or lower, you are struggling right now, and it's only getting worse. But that didn't start magically in January of 2017. That happened during the eight years he was in the White House. That happened during the several decades before that as well. It happened even before he got into office. And it's happened because of Republicans and Democrats and their exclusive control of every lever of power in government in this country for decades now. They've used it to rob you of your power and your wealth and your freedom. They've used it to make your life more difficult in order to enrich billionaire cronies who bought and paid for them to be in office. That is why we're in the mess that we're in right now. It's not because of Donald Trump. It's not because of Joe Biden. It's because of the entire Republican system. And it only ends when we kick them out of office. Plenty of nuclear capability. In the meantime, I have a very good relationship with him. Different kind of a guy, but he probably thinks the same thing about me. We have a different kind of a relationship. We have a very good relationship, and there's no war. And, you know, about two months ago, he broke into a certain area. They said, oh, there's going to be trouble. I said, no, they're not, because he's not going to do that. And I was right. Look, instead of being in a war where millions of people, Seoul, you know, is 25 miles away, millions and millions, 32 million people in Seoul, Millions of people would be okay. dead right now. President we Trump, that's 30 seconds. Thank you. Vice President Biden, to you, North Korea conducted four nuclear tests under the Obama administration. Why do you think you would be able to rein in this persistent threat? Because right? I'd make it clear, which we were making clear to China, they had to be part of the deal because here's the root. I made it clear and as a spokesperson of the administration when I went to China that they said, why are you moving your missile defense up so close? Why are you moving more forces here? Why are you continuing to do... Uh, um, uh, military maneuvers with South Korea. I said, because North Korea is a problem and we're going to continue to do it so we can control them. We're going to make sure we can control them and make sure they cannot hurt us. And so if you want to do something about it, step up and help. If not, it's going to continue. What has he done? He's legitimized North Korea. He's talked about his good buddy who's a thug, a thug, and he talks about how we're better off and they are have much more capable missiles. If he was the least bit serious about this and if the Democrats or Republicans were the least bit serious about this, they wouldn't have handed food aid directly to that thug, as he called him. And instead, they'd be they would be uh, uh, empowering and creating trade deals so that everyday uh, North Koreans would be able to actually be able to build themselves up. Uh, the reason that North Korea is as empowered as they are is because thanks to sanctions, the only way you can get food in North Korea is if you 
go to Kim Jong-un and beg for it. That's the only reason why he has the power he does. The sanctions have helped to empower him at the expense of everyday North Koreans who are literally starving to death and dying of like easily preventable illnesses and dying and starving and malnutrition and all sorts of other problems. Uh, uh, you know, uh, that, that North Korean defector uh, had like three different types of parasites in his bodies. The, the entire civil infrastructure of North Korea has been falling apart for decades. And it is because of sanctions and the fact that they have centralized the only source of food and the only source of, of medicine in North Korea is that dictator. And the reason he's pursuing nuclear weapons is because he doesn't want to get bombed, because that's the only way for a small country to ensure that they don't end up getting bombed by the U.S. is to either host U.S. military bases uh, or to uh, or to develop nukes so that the U.S. will leave them alone. You end the sanctions, you open up trade, and that problem deals with itself a lot sooner than it is right now. It was the single biggest problem, he thought, that our country... Okay, let's move on to American families and the economy. One of the issues that's most important to them is health care, as you both know. Today, there was a key vote on a new Supreme Court Justice, Amy Coney Barrett, and health care is at the center of her confirmation fight. Over 20 million Americans get their health insurance through the Affordable Care Act. It's if whether or not Supreme you can court, get health care relies on who is a justice in the Supreme Court, the system is utterly flawed. Yes, 100%. There was a, because we know what they're going to say on healthcare. There was a meme that went around uh, that one of my buddies shared, and it, it was a gotcha meme because uh, at the bottom, I just saw like the last line that says, I want healthcare. And the entire thing was bitching about uh, the entire, I, God, I wish I could remember the wording on it, but it said, we're spending X amount of dollars on uh, we're spending X amount of dollars on bombing children, and you're asking me who's going to pay for health care? I want to pay for health care. Stop taking 30% of my income so I can buy health care so we aren't turning innocent children into skeletons. I will buy my own health care. And that was the greatest meme that I didn't post on Muddied Waters because I didn't. I forgot. And also, you wouldn't need to spend as much on health care to begin with if it wasn't being driven up by all of the bureaucracy and red tape coming out of D.C. When you're in front of your doctor, you don't see the thousands or tens of thousands of administrators and regulators who all have to be paid as a part of the process. That's why they don't even know what your health care is going to cost for weeks after until weeks or even months after you got the service, because they have to run it through this Byzantine Leviathan model uh, and, and finally have it spit out at the end what you're going to pay but not before every single person involved in that is going to pay for it. Studies have shown that three quarters of every dollar that you're spending on health care is just that red tape. If you get rid of the red tape and get rid of the taxation and pay for that system, then you can easily afford your own health care. And you don't have to rely on who's president or who's the next Supreme Court justice or who's the next senator to know whether or not you're going to be able to afford to get health care. Terminate all of those policies. These are people that love their health care. People that have been successful, middle-income people, been successful. They have 180 million plants, 180 million people, families. Under what he wants to do, which will basically be socialized medicine, he won't even have a choice, they want to terminate 180 million plans. We have done an incredible job on health care, and we're going to do even better. Okay, Let Vice President Biden, yes, this is for you. Your health care plan calls for building on Obamacare. So my question is, what is your plan if the law is ruled unconstitutional by the Supreme Court? You have two minutes uninterrupted. 
What I'm going to do is pass Obamacare with a public option, become Biden care. The public option is an option that says that if you, in fact, do not have the wherewithal to be, if you qualify for Medicaid and you do not have the wherewithal in your state to get Medicaid, you automatically enroll, providing competition for insurance companies. That's what's going to happen. Secondly, provide competition sure for insurance companies by dismantling the regulations that allow insurance companies to operate as a monolith, not by creating a, a government monopoly on health care. Public option is step one of single payer health care. Yep. And if you want to know what single payer, a single payer government managed health care looks like, ask a veteran. Ask someone who was told that they would get health care provided to them. Ask them what they look like. Ask them about having to spend months and years and sometimes decades to prove that they need to care. Ask them about having to wait months and sometimes years before they can get in front of a doctor. Ask them about having to travel hours and sometimes days to be able to see a doctor because the nearest medical facility is nowhere near them. Ask them what government-run healthcare looks like. That starts with a public option. The answer is, he said, you have more competition. Do you know how you know how you have more competition? Getting rid of the regulations that start stop the smaller competitors from being able to compete in the first place. Get rid of certificate of need laws that make it so that major crony hospitals and uh, major healthcare providers choke out any smaller competitors from being able to legally compete against them. Economic spillover. Ten million people have lost their private insurance. And he wants to take away 22 million more people who have it under Obamacare and over 110 million people with pre-existing conditions. And all the people from COVID are going to have pre-existing conditions. What are they going to do? I have a follow-up for you, Vice President sure. Biden. It relates to something that President Trump said. He's accusing you of wanting socialized medicine. What do you say to people who have concerns that your health care plan, which includes a government insurance option, takes the country one step closer to a health care system run entirely by the government? What's I your say it's ridiculous. It's like saying that, you know, we're uh, the idea that the fact that there's a public option that people can choose. That makes it a socialist plan. Look, the difference between the president, I think health care is not a privilege, it's a right. Everyone should have the right to have affordable health care. And I am very proud. And you're denying them of that right with bad government uh, regulations. Right. Right. I was going to say, everybody has the right to purchase health care. They should not be forced to purchase health care, which is what Obamacare did. You have the right to it. It is up to the company. You have to find the companies that are going to be able to make it affordable for you. And the less government regulation that they keep putting on them will make it more expensive. And you should you have the right and you shouldn't be forced to have your health care services run through this ridiculous red tape model that drives up the cost four or five fold what it would be otherwise. Three quarters. It was just a little while ago, right? Less than four years ago. He didn't do anything. He didn't do it. He wants socialized medicine. And it's not that he wants it. His vice president, I mean, she is is more liberal than Bernie Sanders and wants it even more. Bernie Sanders wants it. The Democrats want it. You're going to have socialized medicine, just like you want it with fracking. We're not going to have fracking. We're going to stop fracking. We're going to stop fracking. Then he goes to Pennsylvania after he gets a nomination where he got very lucky to get it. And he goes to Pennsylvania and he says, oh, we're going to have fracking. 
And you never asked that question. And by the way, so far, I respect very much the way you're handling this. I have to say. By the way, but somebody should ask the question. You can ask. He, he goes for a year. There will be we no have a, fractions. We, have, there we will do be have no a number of. Here. We have a number of topics. No, no, but that's a, big, we, that's a big. question. I love. I love whenever they make a point of saying how big of a liar the other one is. That is. Uh, a Republican is no more on point when they complain that another Republican is a lying hypocrite. Right. Provide for that affordable health care, lower premiums. What we're going to do is going to cost some money. It's going to cost over $750 billion over 10 years to do it. And we're going to have lower premiums. You can buy into the better plans, the cheaper plans, lower your premiums, deal with un un unexpected billing, and have your drug prices drop significantly. He keeps talking about it. He hasn't done a thing for anybody on health care. Not a thing. Kristen, when Very he quickly, says, then I want to talk when about he says public option, he's talking about socialized medicine and when he and, and health care. When he talks about a public option, he's talking about destroying your Medicare and destroying your Social Security. And this whole country will come down. You know, Bernie Get Sanders... Big government out of my Medicare. This is, this is, I mean, you want to talk about the, the, the teapot calling the kettle black. He is accusing Joe Biden of introducing socialism that's going to destroy Medicare. <laughs> totally different. Totally, totally different. Totally different. Situation that they're going to destroy Medicare. This is the guy that the actuary Medicare said, if in fact, at Social Security, if in fact he continues to withhold his plan to withhold the tax on Social Security, Social Security will be bankrupt in by 2023. With because it's no a Ponzi way scheme. to make up for it. It's, it is a Ponzi scheme. If you, I've said this many times. If you and I and everyone in this room and everyone that's watching at home decided that we wanted to set up a, a retirement plan and we modeled that retirement plan by simply copy pasting the Social Security model, we'd all go to jail for racketeering because it is a Ponzi scheme. It is doomed to fail, especially when it can be raided at will by the people who are mandating that you be involved in it. The answer is what Joe's plan is, which is the 6.2% solution. Allow people who want to stay in Social Security to stay in Social Security. Allow the people who want to, instead of getting half a percent returns every year, who want to instead get the 5 to 10% average returns every year that they can get from investing themselves privately with their own money. Let them opt out of the system. Let them do it themselves and have their employers, instead of matching their funds, pay into Social Security so that they can keep it solvent and that over time through a as the number of people taking Social Security goes down and the number of people that are opting out goes up, then the number, then that 6.2% that employers are having to pay into it goes down to 5%, 4%, 3% until eventually it's completely gone. We have completely divorced ourselves from this Ponzi scheme mess while protecting the people who were robbed and put into it uh, uh, largely against their own will. I was, I, I was watching your... Uh... Q&A, bus tour Q&A on Sunday. And yes. the explanation that you gave on Social Security was the clearest explanation of Social Security ever and how to get rid of it effectively. It was so brilliantly done. I have to give you major kudos on that one. That was really well done. Thank you. They'll have to get, unfortunately. That's one of the reasons I think we're going to take over the House because of her. Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to approve anything because she'd love to have some victories on a date called November 3rd, Nancy Pelosi does not want to approve it. It's not just we are ready, November willing, 3rd, and able to do November something. 3rd. Don't forget, we've 
already approved three plans, and it's gone through, including the Democrats, in all fairness. This one she doesn't want. It's near the election because she thinks it helps her politically. I think it hurts her politically. All right, Mr. Uh, Vice President, you look. Know, the Republican leader in the, in, in the United States Wait, Senate did he, said he just can't Was pass. he just complaining he that the Democrats won't pass. help him pass he another multi-trillion dollar Why are he talking out? to his Republican yes. friends? Let me follow up with because you, Vice President. It's a very President. good because because he, let, me, let me ask Vice President Biden a question. You are the leader of the Democratic Party. Why have you not pushed the Democrats to get a deal for the American people? Well, I have, and they have pushed it. Look, they passed this act all the way back in the beginning of the summer. This is like it's not new. It's been out there. This HEROES Act has been sitting there. And look at what's happening. When I was in charge of the Recovery Act with $800 billion, I was able to get $145 billion to local communities that have to balance their budgets and states that have to balance their budgets, so they have to fire fire they have to fire firefighters, teachers, first responders, law enforcement officers, so they could keep their if cities the federal and counties government running. He is in a situation where their actions are deciding whether or not your firefighters exist or not. Again, it's a failed system. It is a failed system, and the federal government should not be responsible for paying your firefighters and your teachers and your police officers. That should all be handled locally. Exactly. It was also a way of getting a lot of money from our people's pockets to people that come into our country illegally. We were going to take care of everything for them. And what that does, and I'd love to do that, I'd love to help them, but what that does, everybody all over the world will start pouring into our country. We can't do it. This was a way of taking care of them. This was a way of spending on things that had nothing to do with COVID, as per your question. But it was really a big bailout for badly run Democrat cities and states. All right, By the way, I wanna... if I get elected, I'm not going to... Most of the money Democrat. went to I'm federal government. American president. I don't see red states and blue states. What I see is American, United States. And folks, every single state out there finds themselves in trouble. They're going to start laying off, whether they're red or blue, cops, fire firefighters, first responders, because teachers, because they have to balance their budget. And the founders were smart. They allowed the federal government a deficit spend to compensate for the United States of America. I want to talk about That's the minimum not, wage, gentlemen. That was Mr. not Vice even President, remotely what the founders intended. Well, that actually was what Alexander Hamilton intended. Right. I was going to say, that's what one of the founders the, intended. The, the founder, the one founder. Right. I do, because I think one of the things we're going to have to do is we're going to have to bail them out, too. We should be bailing them out now, those small businesses. you got one in six of them going under. They're not going to be able to make it back. They passed a, a, a package that allows us to be able to call PPP. Money is supposed to go to help them do everything from organize how they can deal with their businesses being open safely. D schools, how they can make classrooms smaller, how they can hire more teachers, how they can put ventilation systems in. They need how you can do that is by dismantling the Department of Education at the federal level and give that $2 trillion back to the communities so they can decide what they need for their schools empowered with their own money back instead of having to force all of their money and the federal money to be used on failed federalized standardized testing programs that have done nothing but rob children of an ability to actually get an education and rob teachers of the ability to teach those children and raising the federal minimum wage is not going to help with that that's just going to price other people out of jobs and you're going to hurt lower income uh lower income minorities trying to get into the workforce the minimum wage was put in place to make it difficult to hire black people 
Let's be very clear. That's what the purpose of the minimum wage was. This is not in dispute. It is history. The way that you get wages to rise is by increasing the demand for American labor and reducing the supply of people looking for gainful employment. You do not do that through regulations that make it increasingly undesirable to hire Americans. You do just the opposite. Get rid of the taxes, get rid of the regulations, get rid of the burdens that make it increasingly undesirable to do business here. When you do that, the demand for American labor goes up and the supply of Americans looking for gainful employment goes down. And whenever the demand for something goes up and the supply for something goes down, the price for that thing skyrockets. That's how you deal with wages. As they come down the street because they've allowed us to make it. What's happening? They deserve a minimum wage of $15. Anything below that puts you below the poverty level. And there is no evidence that okay. we raise the minimum I, I, wage. Pause that for a second. Folks, round of applause. Who here could live? Applause only if you could live on $15 an hour. On $15 an hour. What's that? You're single. You can live on $15 an hour. Let me rephrase that. $15 an hour for 40 hours is that's $600 a week. And you are able to live on $600 a week without any kind of public assistance. Okay. And you can live off of that. Okay. Another show of applause. I was going to say the cost of living is going to go up if the minimum wage goes to 15 Fair enough. Okay, I'm in Iowa. I made a mistake there because I'm in Iowa, where apparently the cost of living is so low that that can happen. Here's another show of applause. Here, here's another, since, since I screwed up there by being in Iowa. Who here would rather, instead of being guaranteed a minimum wage, be able to have a job market that where the demand for your labor is so high that you can choose who your employer is and what your wages and benefits are because they're looking, they need you more than you need them. Much better. Repeat that question because we, it is tough to hear it. Yes. I said, which thing was tough to hear? The last question. Okay. I said, uh, who here would rather than having a, a guaranteed uh, wage of $15 would like a, a, a labor environment where they get to choose from the pick of the litter of people looking for their labor because the demand for it's so high and they applauded. Okay. I made what I'm now going to call the Iowa mistake. Let's talk about what we're talking about. What happened? Parents were ripped, their kids were ripped from their arms and separated. And now they cannot find over 500 sets of those parents and those kids are alone. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. It's criminal. It's criminal. Let me ask Kristen, you about I will say this. They went down. We brought reporters, everything. They are so well taken care of. They're in facilities that were so clean. But some of have them haven't been good. reunited. But just ask one question. Who built the cages? I'd love you to ask him that. Who built the cages? Let me ask He's about right. your immigration policy, He's Mr. Right. Vice President. The Obama administration did fail to deliver immigration reform, which had been a key promise during the administration. He's right. Obama built it. He was wrong about that they're being treated well very well, that the way to treat someone well who's course. nothing wrong is so to not punish them in the first right. place. But he's absolutely right. That, that okay. that this is not a, an exclusive right. Trump issue. Too long to get it right. I'll be president of the United States, not vice president of the United States. 
And the fact is, wow, did he just throw clear, Obama under the bus? He just threw Obama under the bus. Wow. Congress, a pathway to citizenship wow, for over on, man. million undocumented people. And all of those so-called dreamers, those DACA kids, they're going to be immediately certified again to be able to stay in this country and put on a path to citizenship. The idea that they are being sent home by this guy and they want to do that is they go into a country they've never seen before. I can imagine you're five years old, your parents are taking you across the, the Rio Grande River and it's, and, it's, and it's illegal. And you say, oh, no, Mom, leave me here. I'm not going to go with you. They've been here. Many of them are model citizens. Over 20,000 of them are first responders out there taking care of people during this crisis. Then why we did Obama deport them? them? Right. Obama has actually deported, or he did, he deported more people than Trump. Yeah. In his first term, and his, he deported more people than Trump has. So if anything, Trump is a moderate improvement, if you could call it such a thing. His rhetoric has been much worse. Right. But in terms of his actual actions, it's been roughly the same. Actually, slightly, it was Sli slightly worse slight under Obama. Right. But again, like Joe Biden said, I was just the vice president. I wasn't the president. He just really, really threw Obama under yes, the bus. Yes, he did. That's pretty funny. They were arrested. They, in fact, were given a date to show up for their hearing. They were released. And guess what? They showed up for a hearing. And this is the first president in the history of the United States of America that anybody seeking asylum has to do it in another country. That's never happened before in America. That's never happened before in America. You come to the United States and you make your case that I seek asylum based on the following, on the following premise, why I deserve it under American law. They're sitting in squalor on the other side of the river. President Trump, your response, so 30 important. seconds, and then we'll move It on. just shows that he has no understanding of immigration or the laws. Catch and release is a disaster. A murderer would come in. A rapist would come in. A very bad person would come in. We would take their name. We have to release them into our country. And then you say they come back. Less than 1% of the people come back. We have to send ICE out and Border Patrol out to find them. We would say, come back in two years, three years. We're going to give you a court case. You need Perry Mason. We're going to give you a court case. When you say they come back, they don't come back, Joe. They never come back. Only the really, I hate to say this, but those with the lowest IQ, they might come back. Okay, but President Trump, very, let's very give few. Vice President Biden a chance to respond, and then we're going to move on to the you next You don't know section. the law, Joe. Vice President Biden, your response. So once again, so I mean, again, once again, we have two presidents who are arguing for the same thing. They are arguing for people who are coming here to escape uh, the consequences of the war on drugs and U.S. military policy destabilizing their countries. They're arguing for anyone who comes here to try to seek a better life to be treated with the presumption that they've done something wrong and to be treated like a criminal. Now, when my ancestors came here from Eastern Europe to escape genocide and uh, and persecution, if when they had gotten here, the current policies that are in place right now and the policies that were in place when Barack Obama was president, the policies that have been in place for the last 50 plus years, if those policies had been had been in place, they would have been put in a cage. They would have been held until it was time to send them back to Eastern Europe where they would have been murdered. I would not be here. Most of us and our ancestors would not be here. We need to return to the Ellis Island policy. People come here, they give their name, they give their country of origin, they, they get checked for communicable diseases, and then they are allowed to take part in the American dream. 
this you have two parties who are both arguing for the same failed immigration the same war on uh on migration and the same war on the border that has led to harmful outcomes for american citizens who have to live under this uh surveillance super state that forces them to uh, uh submit all their information to a federal database every time they want to get a job anytime they want to get a mortgage anytime they want to get a new car anytime they want to get utilities put in their name anything that they want to do they have to essentially get federal permission and be checked by a federal database where they could potentially be detained and uh, we're within 100 miles. Uh, and again, I'm not going to ask this here because I'm in Iowa. I'm not going to make that mistake again. But where most, where over two thirds of American live, Americans live, which is within 100 miles of the borders or shores or coastline, uh, the uh, U.S. government retains the authority, the presumed authority, unconstitutional authority to detain you against your will without any stated reason for immigration purposes. It is a blatant and total violation of the rights of the people. It does nothing to keep us safe. And both of them are pushing for it. And let's point out, let's point out that Trump just said only low IQ people follow the law. What's that? Trump just said only low IQ people follow this law. Yes. Which was kind of funny. I've laid out a clear plan as to how to do those things just to give people sure. a yeah, only low IQ people are in this debate ability to have wealth <laughs> as well as it is to be free from violence. President Trump, same question to you. And let me remind you of the question. I would like you to speak directly to these families. Do you understand why these parents fear for their children? Yes, I do. And again, he's been in government 47 years. He never did a thing except in 1994 when he did such harm to the black community. And they were called, and he called them super predators. He's and he wrong. said that. He He's said it, wrong. super predators. And they kept never lived that down. 1994, your crime bill, the super predators. Nobody has done more for the black community than those. It was two. actually um, Hillary Clinton look, who called them super predators. With the exception of Abraham Lincoln, possible exception, but the exception of Abraham Lincoln, nobody has done what I've done. Criminal justice reform. Obama and Joe didn't do it. I don't even think they tried because they had no chance at doing it. They might have wanted to do it, but if you had to see the arms I had to twist to get that done, it was not a pretty picture. And everybody knows it, including some very liberal people that cried in my office. They cried in the Oval Office. Two weeks later, they're out saying, gee, we have to defeat him. Criminal justice reform, prison reform, Opportunities sentencing on reform, Scott, criminal justice reform would not South just be some on the tinkering on the edges uh, sentencing reform. Criminal justice reform would be requiring prisons to give the same conditions to workers in prison that everyone else has to give, has to give <laughs> workers outside of prison, which would end uh, the uh, for-profit prison labor that's happening right now. Uh, criminal justice reform would be ending qualified immunity. Criminal justice reform would be ending the war on drugs. Criminal justice reform would be ending civil asset forfeiture and mandatory minimum sentencing and no-knock raids and a host of other terrible things that Republicans and Democrats implemented and that both of them, both of the people on that stage have been have taken a part in both brutally implementing and brutally enforcing. That's real criminal justice reform. You will never get it from the Republicrats, ever. Nope with them and they like me and I like them but I saved colleges and universities okay and we're going to talk about both of your records but your response to that my response to that is I never ever said what he accused me of saying the fact of the matter is in 2000 though 
after the crime bill had been in, 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 in the law for a while, this is a guy who said the problem with the crime bill, there's not enough people in jail. There's not enough people in jail. And go on my website, get the He's quote, the date when he said it. Not enough people. He talked about marauding gangs, young gangs, and the people who are going to maraud our cities. This is a guy who, in the Central Park Five, five innocent black kids, he continued to push for making sure that they yep. got the death penalty. None of them were, none of them were guilty. Both of these two are right about how horrible the other one was, by the way. And talk about it. Granted, he did, in fact, let 20 people, he commuted 20 people's sentences. We commuted over 1,000 people's sentences. Over 1,000. The very law he's talking about is a law that, in fact, initiated by Barack Obama. And secondly, we're in a situation here where we, the federal prison system was reduced by 38,000 people under our administration. And but the state prison systems continue no, to rise because no of the federal war on drugs. The, federal, the, uh, uh, the reason the federal uh, prison rate went down was because you deported them. Most of the people in federal prison are there for immigration reasons. So you just deported them. That's why it went down because they weren't even here anymore. The, the state prison rates went up during that time because of the federal war on drugs that Barack Obama brutally enforced just as much as the previous ones before him and that Donald Trump has continued to brutally enforce. Keep talking about all these things you're going to do and you're going to do this. But you were there just a short time ago, and you guys did nothing. We did. You know, Joe, I, I ran because of you. I ran because of Barack Obama. You've been president you for four job. years and if done I nothing. You- like, it, both of these two have been in office and are accusing the other one of talking but not doing. But they both – and they're both right. They're both right. The other one talking right. didn't do. And then I do have some yeah. questions for both of you. Well, I tell you what. I, uh, I hope he does look at me because what's happening here is you know who I am. You know who he is. You know his character. You know my character. You know our reputations for honor and telling the truth. I am anxious to have this race. This is the man that dropped out of the 1988 presidential race because he plagiarized his speeches. And he said, yes, I definitely did that. And I now have to drop out for these lies that I have committed. And now he is saying, I am the honorable one who is telling the truth. I'm not defending Donald Trump saying he's the honorable one. He had, because nope, no, that's not it. But for Joe uh, the, the to be honor, able the, the honorable one isn't there right now. And that's why she isn't there, <laughs> among many other reasons, is because she's the honorable and trustworthy one. President Trump, and I have just, to respond to that. Please. Because look, Very there are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. They have said that this is, has all the care. Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now yeah. another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And that's exactly be. what is this that's where you're exactly going? What this is going. where he's going. The laptop yeah. right. is Russia, yeah. Russia, Gentlemen, Russia? I want to stay on the issue of race. You okay? have to be kidding. Here Mr. we go President? again with Russia. We're going to continue on the issue of race. Mr. President, you've described the Black Lives Matter movement as a symbol of hate. You've shared a video of a man chanting white power to millions of your supporters. You've said that black professional athletes exercising their First Amendment rights should be fired. What do you say to Americans who say that kind of language from a president is contributing to a climate of hate and racial strife? Well, you have to understand, the first time I ever heard of Black Lives Matter, they were chanting 
pigs in a blanket, talking about police. Pigs, pigs, talking about our police. Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. I said, that's a horrible thing. And they were marching down the street. And that was my first uh, glimpse of Black Lives Matter. I thought it was a terrible thing. As far as uh, my relationships with all people, I think I have great relationships with all people. I am the least racist person in this room. Well, what do you say to Americans who are concerned? He just called her a racist. Justice reform done and prison reform and oh, opportunities. Oh, man. And took care of black colleges and universities. Wait, is his wife, is Melania in that room? Did they he just call anything. Melania a racist? No, she didn't go because of uh, COVID conversation. It oh, okay. oh. makes me sad because I am, I, I am the least racist person. I can't even see the audience because it's so dark. But I don't care who's in the audience. I'm the least racist person in this room. Okay. Vice President Biden, Abraham. let me ask you very quickly, and then I have a follow-up question for you. Please. Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist presidents we've had in modern history. Did he just he call him Abraham fuel Lincoln? on every single racist fire. He just said Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist presidents in modern history. He called him. He called him Abraham Lincoln. He called him Abraham Lincoln. Does he think that that's Abraham Lincoln? He says you know what's sad? There is at least a 20% possibility that he thinks that Abraham Lincoln is there. Stand ready. Come on. This guy is a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn. President Trump, I'm going to give you 10 seconds to respond, and then I have a follow-up. No, I, he made a reference to Abraham Lincoln. Where did that come in? I mean, you yeah, said no, Abraham I, I Lincoln. Know. Where did that? No, no. You said, I said not since Abraham Lincoln has anybody right. done what I've done for the black community. And I'm saying, I didn't say I'm Abraham Lincoln. I said not since Abraham Lincoln has anybody done what I've done. For oh, the man, black you said you were Abraham Lincoln. No, you have done oh, nothing man. other on, than the crime bill, which put. Oh God. That tens of thousands of black men, mostly in jail. All right, let me, you know let, me what? let me they ask Vice President Biden. Because if you look at what's happening with the voting right now, let me ask they remember Vice President that Biden you treated them very, very badly. The, Just the, take a look at what's happening out there. Vice President Biden, let me give you a chance to respond within this context. Crime okay. bills that you supported in the 80s and 90s contributed to the incarceration of tens of thousands of young black men. He is who had detailing small why of neither one of these people should their ever be sons, elected. Their their brothers, their fathers, their uncles whose families are still to this day, some of them suffering. I mean, the imagine what her question so to Joe Jorgensen would have to be. Joe Jorgensen, one of the things is, what do you think 80s, about this? She didn't do any of these things. 100%. Joe Jorgensen, do you, do you think he's anything like Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> yeah, Joe Jorgensen, you have been suspiciously silent as to whether or not Donald Trump is Abraham Lincoln. Particularly the portion on cocaine. That's why I've been arguing that, in fact, we should not send anyone to jail for a pure drug offense. They should be going into treatment across the board. That's what this is apparently very new for Joe. This is very new for Joe because as of last year, November of 2019, I believe he was saying that marijuana is a gateway drug and people who uh, are in possession of it belong in jail. He refused to say that it should be decriminalized up until earlier in this campaign season. Um, he is the Democrat of, Party on their platform voted down two to one. They voted down legalizing marijuana. Yep. He is 100 percent not. In, he, right yeah, now. he is making this up as he's going along. For eight years. Why didn't you get it done? You had eight years to get it done. Now you're saying you're going to get it done because 
You're all talking, no action, Jim. We got Your a lot response. of it done. We released 38,000 prisoners left from the... You got out, nothing done. 38,000 prisoners were released from federal Again, prisons. Again, they're both right. Have, Neither one of them got anything. There were over 1,000 right. people who were given clemency. We make, in fact, we're the ones that put in the legislation saying we could look at pattern and practice of police departments and what they were doing, how they were conducting themselves. I could go on, but we began the process. We began the process. We lost an election. That's why I'm running to win back that election and change his terrible policy. I just asked ask one on question. Why didn't you do it in the eight years, a short time ago? Why didn't you do it? You just said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. You put tens because of thousands of mostly black young men in prison. Now you're saying you're going to get you're going to undo that. Why didn't you get it done? You had eight years with Obama. You know why, Joe? Because you're all talk and no action. All right, Vice President because Biden, and then we're going to move on to the next section. We had a Republican Congress. Wow. Whoa. Not for the first two years. Yeah, not for the first two a, years. Supermajority for the All first right. two years. All right. We're going to move on to our next section. Like I did with criminal justice. And for, for Joe Biden to be talking criminal justice for me, we're going to make this change. We're going to make this change. You have Kamala Harris as the president of the Senate at, if he wins. This is the woman that has locked up thousands of black men for smoking weed and then joked yep. about smoking weed herself. She yep. has withheld evidence uh, on two. It was two that we know of. Two right? capital murder cases. Two capital she murder cases. Exonerating evidence. Yep. Right. And you're going to sit there and try to say that you are the law and order candidates and that you're going to be the one that's going to turn around with the criminal justice and be able to help out the black community. Again, don't like saying it. Trump's kind of right. Why didn't you do this in the eight years that you guys were in office beforehand? And then on top of it, why did you pick a candidate to be your VP who has such a terrible, awful, just horrendous record on this when she was the district attorney? She locked up almost 20 times as many black people as white people using his 1994 crime law as the main vehicle for her putting people in jail. She locked away almost 100% of the people that she locked up, the women that she locked away uh, for truancy violations of that their, that their teenage children were making while they were at work Almost all of them were black. It was like an 80 to one ratio of black people to white people that she locked up for that truancy. Like these are the most brutal enforcers of bad policy. Donald Trump, again, also one of the most brutal enforcers as well. But there is no way that the Democrat Party can pick these two and then turn around and say black lives matter. They and their policies working with Republicans every single year are the reason for the unrest that we are seeing in the streets right now. Cleanest water and the best carbon emission standards that we've seen in many, many years. Vice President Biden. We haven't destroyed our industries. Vice President Biden, two minutes to you uninterrupted. Climate change, climate warming, global warming is an existential threat to humanity. We have a moral obligation to deal with it. And we're told by all the leading scientists in the world, we don't have much time. We're going to pass the point of no return within the next eight to ten years. Four more years of this man eliminating all the regulations that were put in by us to clean up the climate, to clean up, to limit the, the uh, limit of emissions, will put us in a position where we're going to be in real trouble. Here's where we have a great opportunity. 
I was able to get both all the environmental organizations as well as labor, the people worried about jobs, to support my climate plan. Because what it does, it will create millions of new good-paying jobs. We're going to invest in, for example, 500,000, 50,000, excuse me, 50,000 charging stations on our highways so that we can own the electric car market of the future. In the meantime, China is doing that. We're going to be in a position where we're going to see to it that we're going to take 4 million existing billion buildings and 2 million existing homes and retrofit them so they don't leak as much energy, saving hundreds of millions of barrels of oil in the so he's basically None of this is going to do anything. Yeah, he's basically going through the Green New Deal at this point where he's saying the yeah. charging stations and we're going to refit uh, buildings with a green whatever. Um, yeah. We're going to we're going to spend massive amounts of money on crony businesses yeah. doing retrofitting that they promise will fix this stuff when we don't know if that's even the case. What we do know is that a bunch of energy is going to be used to do all this stuff and it may or may not work in the future. If either one of these two was serious, they would look at the reason why we have this to begin with because Americans because of crony polluting companies are indemnified against any liability when they do damage to our environment, to our property, and to our health. If we simply were empowered to be able to sue them out of existence when they did these things, they wouldn't do it. And that's just as simple as it gets. And the fact that neither one of them will mention this when it's the only way forward on this to protect the property rights of the American people and of anyone who has an actionable cause against someone who has done damage to their property, in this case, through pollution and leaks and so forth and dumping and, 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 and everything else. If you were able to simply allow Americans to sue uh, crony businesses, when they do this damage, the problem would solve itself because they would self-regulate so that they wouldn't end up going out of business. All of the nonsense they're about to say is a bunch of uh, crony picking winner and losers garbage. It's the next Solyndra. It's the next Enron. It's the next big example that a few years later we'll find out was all just a bunch of theft and graft and bribery uh, and, and bankrupted companies that never had an actual plan. It is government just robbing you to give to their favored cronies and doing nothing to actually solve the problem because they don't want to solve the problem. They want it to keep getting worse so that it's more and more of a crisis so that they can come to you and go, look at this terrible crisis. Give us trillions of more dollars. We're going to fix it this time. Right. And you'll hear You'll hear Biden. He'll go on, you know, we're going to work on electric and we're going to look at uh, renewables like solar and wind and whatever. And Trump's going to say, no, good, clean coal, good, clean coal, as he says. But neither one of them will mention nuclear, which by far is cleaner than anything that they could possibly throw out at these debates. Yeah. Yep. Any conversation about climate change and reducing our carbon footprint that is not centered around what is currently the cleanest and safest and cheapest and most plentiful form of energy, which is nuclear. And the fact that our regulatory agencies and regulatory uh, regulatory burden has made it cost prohibitive to build uh, new nuclear power plants and has actually forced some of the older ones offline before uh, before their time was up. Uh, that and that that's not only driven up the cost of, of, of energy, but is also increasing uh, massively increased our carbon footprint. It's not a serious conversation if you're not talking nuclear. And we don't have to give any tax breaks to nuclear. We don't have to give any subsidies to nuclear energy. We just have to remove the regulatory burden so that the market will naturally move to what is the cheapest, the cleanest, and the most carbon neutral, and that's nuclear. 
is more than anything Correct. that we're talking about with natural gas, which is very clear. Find me a scientist solar. Said that. Solar. I love solar. But solar doesn't quite have it yet. It's yeah. not this is yet. To, Rick to just said this debate is all natural gas. Factories that we need to compete with the world. So False. it's all a pipe dream. But you know what we'll do? We're going to have the greatest economy in the world. But if you want to kill the economy, get rid of your oil industry. You want. And, and what about fracking? All right. Now, let me now let me have, let me allow fracking. Vice President I Biden to respond. I never said I oppose fracking. Yes, he you has. said it on I, tape. I did show the tape. Put it on your website. I'll put it on. Put it on the website. The fact of the matter yeah, is, yeah, we'll put it on our website too. Yeah, Would you rule out banning fracking? I do rule out banning fracking because the answer we need we need other industries to transition to get to ultimately. A complete zero emissions by 2025. Chairman Mike of the Libertarian sure Party of Iowa just noted that it's very possible that Joe Biden the has forgotten what capture fracking the emissions from gas. Or that he never we can knew. Do that, and we can do that by investing money and doing it. But it's a transition to that. I have one more question excuse in this pod. And then we, me, we have... He was against fracking. He said it. I will show that to you tomorrow. I Good. am against fracking. Until he got the nomination, went to Pennsylvania, then he said, but you know what, Pennsylvania? He'll be against it very soon because his party is totally against fracking it. Fracking on federal land, I said. No fracking you and or oil on federal land. Let me ask this final question. Federal government section, owns 28% of the land in this country section. and the vast majority President of the unused land on this country. So even if he only said that, that's effectively the same. In Texas, there are families who worry the plants near them are making them sick. Your administration has rolled back regulations on these kinds of facilities. Why should these families give you another four years in office? Uh, the families that we're talking about are employed heavily, and they are making a lot of money, more money than they've ever made. If you look at the kind of numbers that we produce for Hispanic, for black, for Asian, it's they have great jobs. They are dying, but they have great jobs. Well, they did before all three this. Years, they had amazing jobs before the whole dying. Of the two of them to put it nicely. Nine times more. Now, somebody lives, I have not heard the numbers or the statistics that you're saying, but they're making a tremendous amount of money economically. We saved it. And I saved it again a number of months ago when oil was crashing because of the pandemic. Okay. We saved it. We got, say what you want about relationships. We got Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Russia to and cut back way back. We saved our oil industry, and now it's very vibrant again. Right. And everybody has very inexpensive gas. I just, just as a throw. No, no it's not expensive. Gas is not inexpensive. Well, I mean, it's cheaper now than it has been in like 10 years. No, uh, it was actually cheapest in, uh, what, 2017, 20, uh, 20, no, 2016 was when it was cheapest, I believe. I never remember. Okay, so me personally, I don't remember seeing it below $2 any time before this besides a long time ago. Yeah. So now that I see it at $1.97 some places, that's why I'm like, okay, well, we're at the lowest gas prices in forever. I could be wrong, and I'm willing to admit that, but... Um, just your to, your money was robbed from you right. to jack up to subsidize oil companies so that they could keep their price of their product high without suffering as a result of that. You were robbed to make your oil prices higher. And as a throw, just I hate the way that Trump says industry. Have you have you realized how he says it? It's it's obnoxious. He goes industry. 
industry. Yeah. This is a well, man that eats his uh, steak well done with ketchup. So nothing, <laughs> nothing about it surprises me. And I'd stop giving to the oil industry, I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. He won't give federal subsidies to the, to the gas, excuse me, to, the, to uh, solar and wind. Why are we giving it to oil industry? We actually do All give right. it to solar and wind. We and have that's one maybe final the biggest question. statement in terms of business. That's the biggest statement. Okay. Because basically what he's saying well, again, is both of them, Both of them right now are arguing industry. over which one is Will going to give the most subsidies to right. industries. That one not, doing, not providing much energy and the other one doing a bunch of polluting. Instead of just deregulating and, and let the, letting the market go naturally where it would go to nuclear. And Joe Biden, what he said was, if we're not going to give subsidies to solar and wind, why would we give it to the oil companies? And I'm like, yes, you're getting on the right track. Yeah, and then he was I'm like, no, we should give it to everybody. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you're almost there. No, you went away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Paris Accord to make China abide by what they agreed to. All right. This is about China was completely exempt in the Paris Accord. That was the most ridiculous part of that. Abide by what? They didn't have to do anything. And all of this is a red herring because these jobs that are in China came from the U.S. So when you overregulate the business market here in the U.S., they go to China, which was never held to any standard for climate change, nor would they ever agree to it. So you're actually causing climate change to get worse, not only because those jobs are being made in a country that has fewer, uh, that has you know a more uh, uh, more pollution in the way that they create things, but then it has to be shipped all the way back over here in, in giant tankers, which exponentially increases the carbon footprint on all the things that we're buying from them. The way that you deal with that is by deregulating here, making it more desirable and more affordable to do business here and make things here and hire people here. Not only does that fix the economic problems, not only does that fix the social problems, not only does that fix the foreign policy problems of China and other uh, dictatorships becoming increasingly powerful, it also solves the environmental problem. Have it made here cleaner by deregulating and by bringing in nuclear by simply deregulating. When you allow people, when you free people to be able to do what makes the most sense for them in, in voluntary cooperation with others, they will come up with better solutions intuitively than a bunch of lying, thieving sociopaths and cronies in D.C. Clap for that. Your inaugural address to Americans who did not vote for you. I will say I'm an American president. I represent all of you, whether you voted for me or against me. And I'm going to make sure that you're represented. I'm going to give you hope. We're going to move. We're going to choose science over fiction. We're going to choose hope over fear. We're going to choose to move forward because we have enormous opportunities. He truth over Enormous opportunities facts. to make things better. We can grow we this economy. Truth over facts. Deal with the systemic facts. racism. And at the same time, we can yeah, make we're sure choose that the, our economy we're going to choose the vote libertarian over Republican and, and Democrat. And motivated by clean energy, creating millions of new jobs. And that's the fact. That's what we're going to do. And I'm going to say, as I said at the beginning, what is on the ballot here is the character of this country. Decency, honor, respect, treating people with dignity. Making yeah, sure then why are either of these two on the ballot? Right. And I'm going to make sure you get that. You haven't been getting it the last four years. All right. I want to only in the last four years. Everything was fine. Hour and a half. A fantastic debate. Really appreciate it. President Trump, former vice president. Yeah, that's the end of that. Um, well, that's fine. Yeah. So that that was exactly what I kind of assumed it was going to be like. I know a lot of people were saying, can't you pause it? And no, because that would make this debate into a four hour show. And oh, yeah, yeah. No, it would, it would be a, it would be 
a very, very unnecessarily long show. Yes. Yes. Um, we just talked over that. Right. Yeah. We're just going to talk over them. Turn, turn it on your phone or your TV while you're watching us. Um, whichever device you aren't using, watch them on that. Um, but it, that debate went pretty much how I thought it was going to go. It seemed a lot more civil, but the only reason it seemed more civil is because they were literally forced into that position. You still so, had, you could see them. They were both interrupting each other. It's just, you couldn't hear it. Yeah, no, it was a total, it was a slightly more civil than the last one, but they didn't really present any real options. They just kept blaming the other one. Right. The, the one difference was because they, that was that they didn't yell over it and interrupt each other for the most part. And the only reason was that was that they had a mute button this time and they said that they'd mute them if they kept doing it. So they didn't do it because they didn't want to get muted. But literally the entire rest of the tenor and tone of the debate was the same. I'm That guy's a prick. And he's a jerk, and uh, and he lied to you, and he's going to do terrible things. Well, no, that guy's a lying jerk, and he he's he did terrible things too. Yeah, no, they're yeah. both right. They both did terrible things. You did nothing in office. You say you're going to do all this stuff, but you didn't do anything while you were in office. Well, you said you were going to do stuff, and you didn't do. Yeah, no, again, you're both terrible. We hate you, and you should definitely be replaced by someone else. This is why Joe Jorgensen was excluded from the debates. This is why I was excluded from the VP debates. Again, if you had a sane adult there who could form a coherent sentence and could present actual policies, and when these two get to the which one's a bigger joke con- jerk contest, we could stand in the middle and go, I agree, you're both terrible. Let's talk about actual policies. Their entire rope-a-dope would fall apart. They rely on being the good cop to their voting base and the bad cop to the other one's voting base, so that everyone's voting out of resentment and fear. Because if that doesn't, ha- if they if they don't continue that, if they don't continue to play good cop here and bad cop over there, while the other one plays bad cop, good cop here and bad cop over there, if instead there's someone else in the middle going, they're both liars. They both mess this up. They and their parties and policies have worked together to make your life miserable. The entire jig would be up. The entire thing would be up. That's what we just saw in Indiana with Donald Rainwater. You had the Democrat and the Republican doing the same old rope and Donald Rainwater talking directly to the voters in Indiana saying, you know what you get from them. I want to give you your money back. I want to give you your power back. We can live a better life, and it's not going to come from big government impositions on you. That's what got us here. And that's why Donald Rainwater is going to be the next governor of Indiana. Ricky Harrington. Ricky Harrington showed up for his debate, and Tom Cotton was so horrified about that, he decided not to even show up. And Brad Barron's about to do it uh, on the 26th uh, in between McGrath and McConnell. Cocaine Mitch is going to have nowhere to run because Brad Barron is going to be able to lay out point blank why both of them why both of their parties and the policies that they have worked together to create have created the mess that Kentuckians are in. This is why Republicrats are horrified at libertarians being in the debate because their entire good cop, bad cop, rope-a-dope falls apart at the seams and they both look like the schmucks that they are. Yep. Now, yeah, literally everything from that debate, uh, the Ricky Harrington, if anybody hasn't seen the Ricky Harrington debate, that dude could read me The Shining and I would sleep like a baby. He has the most calming voice I have ever heard in my life. 
Um, at a time when Americans are horrified at what's going on, there was someone yep. there who was letting them know it was going to be okay. We just needed to change course. Instead of all this crisis nonsense that they're constantly hearing from Republicans and Democrats, that this is a gigantic crisis and you have to give us control or everything's going to fall apart and you're all going to die. He said, no, we the people can work together, but first we have to change course. We have to get rid of the people that created this mess and put the power back in the hands of the people. And that when you do that, we'll be able to live better lives. We'll be able to thrive. We'll be able to prosper. It is the same message that libertarians give every single time. It is why they are horrified at having us on the debate stage. Now, the good news is tomorrow, after a uh, episode of My Fellow Americans, starting at I'm not 100% sure when, Immediately after that episode of My Fellow Americans, I will be participating in a VP debate with Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. They didn't want to invite me to their staged rigged debate, so I'm not inviting them to ours. Uh, Joe, the Seth and Willie Fred show, they have found actors that are going to play Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. I am going to play Spike Cohen, and we are going to engage in the debate that those two deserve, which is a fake one. That'll be, on, that'll be tomorrow night at hold on a second tomorrow night at exactly uh, nope exactly uh, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern 8 p.m. Central uh, I will be on the Seth and Willie Fred show I'll be sharing it uh, on my on my social media uh, on Facebook and uh, I will be engaging in the debate uh, between two people who honestly are probably better qualified. I don't know what their names are, but they're actors playing Pence and Harris. And the I would take either one of them for vice president over the, the actual Pence and Harris. So you're going to do an episode of My Fellow Americans do this de- and do this debate tomorrow? Yes, wow. on my day off. <laughs> Look, Spike has a day off and America wins. Um I just want to say uh, this week, Monday, was the first day for early voting here in Florida. So if you are a Floridian like me, you can go and early vote in person, which is what I did. And it was one of the most surreal things to, one, actually vote for a candidate that I believe in, one who I know can do the job, one who can talk to the American people without raising blood pressures across the board, but also be able to vote for somebody who is my best friend and my business partner. And if you see someone else's name after this, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Which is why I voted for Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> uh, but which, you know, I got to vote for Spike. And honestly, it was the when people talk about wasted votes, this was the one vote I have done since I have been legally old enough to vote that I feel was not wasted. It was the one time where I knew that my vote was going towards something that I 100% believed in. And in all honest, thank you to Spike for uh, running and making that a possibility. Thank you. Everyone should listen to what Matt just said and also <laughs> vote for me um, for all the reasons he stated and more. appreciate it. I honestly, I never, I never know what the same response to people who tell me that they voted for me and like how great I am and, and how wonderful it, Joe and I are other than to just say thank you. And that that's why we are running. We are running uh, to dismantle 
these bad systems and put that power and that money back in your hand. We're never going to get what we need to get out of life. We're never going to fix these problems that they've created until we kick them out and kick their cronies out and end the gravy train where they just rob you of trillions of dollars to make them rich. We have had decades of universal basic income for billionaires. It needs to end. We need to end this entire system and instead go back to what is supposed to be which is you empowered with your own power, your own freedom, your own money, and all of those barriers and burdens removed so that you can work voluntarily with other people and thrive. That is what Joe and I are running on. That is what libertarians up and down the country are running on. That's what people like Rick, who's running for Congress, and Myra, who's running as well. That's come on over here, folks. Come on over, come on over. Myra, what are you running for again? Iowa House this is what, uh, here, you have to come where you can see in here. Oh, we can see. Oh, Myra, no, we can't. Myra is running for Iowa House District 70. Rick, what is it you're running for? United States Senator from Iowa. This is what, you could have another, you could have a, the first libertarian senator right here. These are the folks that we need you to support, whether you're in Iowa or another state. Go Google these people. Go look for the Libertarian Party of Iowa. Look for the Libertarian Party in your state. It is at the grassroots level that we will take this country back and put the power and the money and the freedom back in the hands of the people where it always belongs. Yeah! Also, uh, super fan Sarah Anderig, she wanted me to let you know. I'm not going to make that joke, but she wanted me to let you know that that was her first time voting and she took the time to vote for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you, Sarah. Thank you for all your efforts for muddied waters. And uh, Cause she folks, makes a lot of effort for muddied waters. Stop. So thanks so much uh, for tuning in folks again, tune in tomorrow for a special episode of my film Americans, not hundred percent on when it's going to be yet, but we are going to work on that. I'll let you know as soon as I know. Uh, and then tune in uh, t- tomorrow night, uh, starting at, uh, uh, again, at, what was it, 9 p.m. Eastern, starting at 9 p.m. Eastern for the Seth and Willie Fred show, where I will be participating in the fake debate that America demands uh, with uh, Mike Pence and Kamala Harris and actually Spike Cohen. Literally Spike Cohen will be there. Um, and then tune in next week uh, for another episode of the Money Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I parse through the week's news like the cheery little winter i'm gonna get some uh warmer shoes because i'm freezing the the sweet winter cherub cherub cherubs that we are (laughs) matt if someone were looking uh to try to be on the internet while looking at muddy waters media at the same time is that even possible and if so how it is possible uh in fact for those of you who are old school who enjoy hearing the sweet sultry buttery sounds of our voices and not looking at these two gorgeous faces in front of you, all you have to do is go to anchor.fm slash muddied waters where you can leave us messages that we will play live on the air. Leave us a message. And you can also donate money to you so we can continue to bring you the high quality content that you have grown accustomed to over the years. Give us money. And you can find this in every other episode at muddiedwatersmedia.com. Thank you to everybody out there who sent us super chats through uh, the, yes. the, the, the YouTube. Um, thank you to all of you who did that. Thank you to everybody who tuned in. Uh, make sure that you share this with every single person that you know. Share, share, share. Like, like, like. 
and share the message of liberty. That's all we can do, folks. All we can do is get around this crony system and spread the message of liberty at the grassroots level. It's what we do every single day long, and it's how we're going to move the, the, the cause of maximizing human liberty forward. Folks, thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow, and then we'll see you later next week. And where we're going... We don't need roads.